don't subscribe to the old school way, nor the new school way, only the optimal way. The 80-20 Baseball Experience with Coach Ball. The Bear Crawl. Dr. Hill and the Dirtbag Undergrad. The year was 2001, and I was attending Long Beach State as a student athlete. I was on the baseball team, and I was working towards my kinesiology degree. The very first kinesiology class, the kinesiology is the study of movement, the first course I attended was KPE 270. A well-respected professor, Dr. Hill, taught this particular class. It was the first class, the first Monday of the semester, and we hadn't been in class for 20 minutes when Dr. Hill dropped a paradigm-shifting bomb on all of us students. Most of the students were athletes or former athletes, so it really hit us hard what he said. He bluntly and confidently instructed us to refrain from using exercise as a form of punishment with our students and with our athletes, our players. The statement immediately disoriented my coaching thought process. You know, I felt like I was tumbling around under a large ocean wave and not sure which way was up. Disciplining athletes and PE students via physical exercise is a tactic as common as clouds on a rainy day. I'd never had a coach who didn't use this protocol. Wall sits for being late to basketball practice, up downs for dropping a pass during a football practice, running laps around the field for not getting the bunt down at baseball practice, go on and on with these examples. From experience, punishing players in this manner had always been a standard course of action. Yet, it only took a short, pragmatic explanation from Dr. Hill to change my viewpoint. He said the following to the class, quote, If we use exercise as punishment, we are programming our students and our athletes, our players, to view exercise as a negative action. Thus, it's illogical or illogical to use a desired action such as physical conditioning also as a punitive one. We want our athletes to be fit, which requires exercise. Therefore, it is imperative that we do our best as coaches to uphold a positive perception of exercise. And this makes sense. Exercise should be viewed as a beneficial activity, not a negative consequence. Think about that. When you when you think about it that way, it makes a lot of sense what Dr. Hill was saying. Exercise should be viewed as a beneficial exercise, as a good thing, not a negative consequence. It shouldn't have a negative connotation with it. That was Dr. Hill's explanation. And to this day, I never punish my players by using exercise. Well, that is except for one miserable thing that uniquely fits into a category of its own that I've found over the years to be extremely useful, and it definitely doesn't resemble your typical fitness program, your running routines, and things like that. Discipline player selection. Now, you got the consequence for um, you know screwing up, a punitive consequence, but before you ever even get to that stage... It's important that you as a coach have disciplined player selection. So like I said, we'll come back to punishing players via exercise 
in a minute. But first know this, the most effective and most efficient way to establish a disciplined team culture is by staying disciplined when putting the team together. Select players that demonstrate a solid work ethic. Choose players that show a genuine enjoyment for playing baseball. Fill your team with players that consistently demonstrate respectful behaviors. If a potential player lacks these characteristics, maintain your own discipline as a coach and move on. If you get blinded by the talent, and as I call it, the talentees, and decide to choose talented players with lousy character or lazy players, don't say I didn't warn you. Leverage what's valued. As coaches, we need to establish transparent leverage that all players will respect. We know that even the most well-behaved kids are not always perfect, and therefore we must have rules and consequences ready for those vital situations, those situations that can help and will maintain a solid team culture. The most enjoyable part of playing baseball for almost every player is participating in the official games, and that goes for every sport. Thus, reduction of playing time is the ultimate extrinsic consequence for most players. Let me say that again. The reduction of playing time is the ultimate extrinsic consequence for almost every player. Putting the game uniform on, Competing on a nicely prepped field versus another team with umpires and bleachers full of fans is the pinnacle of enjoyment for most baseball players. This time of excitement is the last thing players want to lose. It is the last thing they want to be without. If the loss of playing time is not an extremely frustrating consequence for your players, then they're not the type of player you actually want on your team in the first place. Losing playing time can range from one inning to an entire season, and it should hurt your players in a sense where it should bother them. It should it should really be something that they do not want to happen. They do not. They should, every guy on your team should not want to lose playing time. They should be chomping at the bit to get out there to get out there and play in a game, especially with all the prep time and all the work that goes into it. As for implementation, once a rule is broken, calmly and concisely inform the player of the rule they broke and the partnered consequence and the consequence you're going to follow through with that's been very transparent from the first day the team was put together or the season started and then get back to coaching the team. Do not justify your decision. Kids will see this as indecisiveness. Follow up later when the emotions have settled. The guilty player's reaction will give you a good indication of whether or not you've done a solid job of communicating the team's rules and consequences. If you've correctly established the rules and the why behind them, there should be very little pushback. Let me say that again. This is so important. If you've correctly established the rules from the get-go and you've been transparent and can, it doesn't mean you got to get long-winded with the rules by any means. It can be concise, but you've established them very clearly and you've been very transparent and given the why behind each rule, there should be very little pushback, if any. The following is an incredibly useful quote and it says so much in just a few words. 
It's by Jocko Willink. He's a former Navy SEAL commander, and he gets leadership through and through. It's extremely impressive how well he understands the nuances and the importance of good leadership and exactly what makes a good leader. So here's his quote. It is not what you preach. It's what you tolerate. It's not what you preach. It's what you tolerate. So as coaches and even as parents, you see a lot of preaching and a lot of preaching. And we're all guilty of this. At the end of the day, that matters very little. Sure, you need to be clear about your rules and transparent about your rules and the why. But at the end of the day, it's what you tolerate. It's what you do. It's not, you know, it's not what you say. It's what you do. Actions speak louder than words. And that's saying very much the same thing, but in a leadership kind of way. It's not what you preach as a coach. It's what you tolerate. So you can have all these rules. You can talk about all this, but what do you tolerate? That's what the players hear. That's what they see. Each rule you establish must be applied consistently without wavering. Rules you talk about don't get the job done. It's the rules you follow through with that produce change. Each rule you establish, I'm going to go back and read that again. Each rule you establish must be applied consistently without wavering. And if you can't apply it consistently without wavering, it's not a rule you should have. It's a rule that you should probably look to throw in the trash. Have as few rules as you need, but make them count and apply them. Rules you talk about don't get the job done. It's the rules you follow through with that produce change. The corresponding consequence must be administered equally for all players too. You should not coach every player the same way, but you must apply consequences equally for all players. Rule infractions fall on a severity spectrum. Therefore, it is imperative that each consequence is clearly defined and communicated to all players, parents, and assistant coaches in the coaching staff. Have few rules, like I just said, have few rules and always enforce them, even when you don't want to. And believe it or not, I think this is this is what happens more often than not. I think coaches more often than not, and, and I know <laughs> this is how I feel, I don't want to implement that that I don't want to I don't want to enforce it always. I want to eh, I'm going to look the other way. Oh, I didn't see it. Just remember, you are doing the team and you are doing more hurtfully, you're hurting the player and his future. You're hurting that individual. And as parents, having rules is not a lot of fun. It's not it's it's a lot easier just to let things slide. It's not fun to enforce consequences. And some of us, you know, most of us just, you know, sometimes it, it bothers us to, to apply a consequence, you know, especially when you see the sadness or the, <laughs> the frustration or the, 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 the response from the kid. And it's like, dang, they're, they're not liking that. You know, it really, really gets getting to them or they're really frustrated with that consequence they're ticked off or you know or they're saddened it makes it hard to implement and enforce the rules the consequences because of that but you have to keep in mind the long term you have to keep in mind that that 
down the path, that down down the line vision of that 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 forward thinking of if you let it slide now, you're doing that kid a disservice for the long term. But by disciplining them when they're young and following through, you are doing them a great service. You are doing them so good for the long term, um, the long term path in life. So have very few rules. Always enforce them, even when you don't want to, especially when you don't want to. Taking the path of least resistance early on will create a turbulent uphill climb for the remainder of the season. It takes a disciplined coach to lead a disciplined group of players. A disciplined coach to lead a disciplined group of players. And another quote from Jocko, there's no bad teams, just bad leaders. There's no bad teams, just bad leaders. And that's a little bonus quote I want to throw in. He understands leadership at the highest of levels, and it's something we should all strive to use and do and follow. We must never forget one of the greatest gifts, as we just discussed, we can give our youth. One of the greatest gifts we can provide our youth is an appreciation for discipline. Our youth need a clear understanding of the value of discipline. Along the way, many players will show signs of frustration when they receive a consequence. Like we discussed, they're going to show signs of frustration. They're not always going to like it. And a lot of times they're not going to like it, such as the loss of playing time. But do not worry. This loss of playing time and these consequences, this is to be expected. This reaction from them is expected. It's part of their journey to becoming disciplined. Minimize those early frustrations by setting clear expectations from the get-go and then maintain consistency in the application of said rules. You may have a few guinea pigs that may need to learn the hard way, but overall your players will rise or fall to the level of your expectations. Be bendable, not breakable. You know, you hear this a lot in, in football with the defenses. You know, I got a bend, don't break kind of mentality on defense. Give up some short dink and dunks, but... Uh, they're not giving up the bomb. They're trying to prevent that touchdown, giving up some yards to prevent the score kind of attitude. But in, in this particular case, we're talking about discipline, be bendable, not breakable. Uh, when I pitched, you know, I enjoyed striking out opposing hitters. But as a coach, you know, I do not enjoy striking out players from the team. I don't enjoy kicking players off a team and or removing them from the game or removing them from practice or whatnot and with that said as a coach you must draw a clear line in the sand when it comes to each of your rules you have to have leverage or you got no rule if you have no leverage the rule is it's irrelevant and removing a player from the team can be no different now this is the worst case situation worst case scenario I believe in second and third chances for our youth because they're not perfect. Even the best kid's not going to be perfect. And I do believe in second and third chances. And and that's all going to vary depending on the severity of the rule that's being broken or the severity of the behavior, right? So I do believe in second and third chances and in some cases a fourth chance on certain things. But there needs to be a clearly communicated line of return of no return, I should say, clearly communicated line of no return where they where they are not going to be allowed to stay on the team. There needs to be a clear line like, hey, this is, you pass the line. Now, when I say second, third, fourth chances or second, third chances, 
those are not freebies. Those are not free passes. Those are definitely costing playing time. And those are definitely getting players removed from the game and definitely resulting in other types of consequences. But with that said, I do think there needs to be a little bit of a buffer before you just kick him to the curb. I really do, okay? And and that goes for pretty much everything when you're talking about youth sports. We're not talking about society here and, and things that are so crazy that you just you don't have a second chance kind of thing. All right, we're talking about youth sports. It's never going to get so severe where you can't just have that second, third opportunity to learn from it. But that doesn't mean you don't have a consequence and even sometimes a pretty stern consequence for those those you know second, third um, incidents. Bend, but don't break. Kids will not be perfect, but they can't be allowed unlimited infractions either. Using this type of policy allows your players, using this kind of progressive policy, infraction and consequence policy, it allows your players to improve themselves while simultaneously having a clearly defined point of of, of no return in, in, in the worst case scenario, but a clearly defined point of each consequence along the way. And like I said, it's better to lose one player than to lose them all. It's better to lose one player. You want to lose zero players, but it's always better to lose one player than to lose the whole team. The biggest mistake coaches can make in regards to rules and discipline is they prioritize the individual over the well-being of the entire team. And it's that short-sighted, that short-term kind of thinking, that that nearsighted thinking that, all right, I'm going to appease this kid. But what you're doing is you're ruining it for the whole team. So, yeah, you're making him and, – and, and you're not even helping that kid. You're not helping him. Disciplining him is helping him. But you think we're helping him. We think we're helping him. But we're, we're not only not helping him long-term, we're also going to pay the price. The, the, the uh, chickens are going to come home to roost when it comes to the team and the, and the culture of the team. Remember, if you build your team with coachable players, then there's almost no chance that you'll get to the point of having to remove a player from the team. If you pick great players, and I say great, like like attitude, coachability, respectfulness, hustle. If you pick those players right, you know there's almost no chance that you get to the point of having to remove a player from your team. If you're given a team with the roster already in place, then your season will likely include more broken rules all right, because you didn't have the chance to filter out the roster creation, but you didn't have the chance to filter through the players as you created the roster, and thus more consequences will, will probably be administered. Either way, you'll need rules, consequences, and follow-through, and most importantly, follow-through. Whether you carefully choose each player for your team or whether you are given a team already assembled, the process doesn't change, and in both situations, you can be super successful. All right. The title of this was The Bear Crawl. And now we're going to get into the bear crawl exception. So the bear crawl is a part of the discipline process. And those others were steps in in the discipline process. But here goes the bear crawl exception. Here is where we bring the conversation back to disciplining players with physical means. I'm not talking about touch. You don't. You don't hurt, hit a player. You don't touch a player. You don't. That, that's that's what I'm talking about, right? What I'm saying is, after is what I'm talking about is physical. I mean, this is where you're going to make them feel some, some, uh, you know, some muscle soreness and physical exhaustion. So after reading that first paragraph, most of you probably thought that you know I would avoid recommending physical exercise as a punishment altogether, and and. Basically, we are going to avoid physical exercise as a punishment across the board, except 
before something that you may have heard of, the infamous bear crawl. Those of you that have experienced the bear crawl probably never forgot it. And not because it sounds like those popular donut shop delicacies, but rather because of how physically demanding they are. My experience has shown that the bear crawl, the bear crawls, are so different from other baseball training movements that the players actually avoid receiving the contradictory message that Dr. Hill, as we spoke about, as he understandably disapproved of, but it gives them a heck of a, of a, of a workout, and it's definitely something they do not like doing. The bear crawl is best used during practice time to increase the focus level for all practice activities. Bear crawls are great reminders for our players that we expect them to maintain focus and hustle throughout practice. And saying you can rely, you can say, I'm going to rely on my kids to be intrinsically motivated and they got to find it. And hey, but they're kids, they're youth. I mean, just think about adults. From time to time, we need a reminder. From time to time, we need something to remind us to kind of give us a little extra kick, a little boost, a little kick in the butt to keep us going down the right path and going full speed and, and, and really getting after it. Now, yelling and screaming is so much work with minimal payoff, if any, and it typically comes with a negative return on investment. And when you get the chance, go and read or listen to the uh, discussion I have about yelling is not discipline. It's titled Yelling is Not Discipline, or you can find that on the 8020 Baseball website. And it discusses why and explains why yelling and screaming is either has zero payoff or, or no net return on time and actually can be detrimental to the long-term um, you know, health and, and whatnot of relationships of the team and leadership. So 30-plus years of playing and coaching sports have shown me that the consequence of the bear crawl does wonders to re-engage a team's focus and instantly you know, reinvigorate their motivation. It really gives them that kick in the butt. And the bear crawl is super simple movement. More importantly, what I think is that it's so different than than anything they do in baseball. And it's a super simple movement to execute. It requires no experience. It requires no equipment. It can be done almost anywhere. And it has an extremely low risk of injury. So when you couple all those things together, it really is a it's really different than baseball movements and it feels different and its perception is that it that it is different is definitely there and then it doesn't require equipment it doesn't require experience the kids can i mean essentially do it right away i mean especially if you have a couple that have done it before the others see it and boom it's hey there it is you can always show a quick video of it or as a coach you can get down there and just show them a couple yards of it and that's it it doesn't there's not a lot of you know uh, level of, of expertise that's needed by any means. It can be done almost anywhere. I just highly recommend you don't do it on a place like gravel or on something that could, you know, that could cut up their hands in a way like, I mean, besides the grass, you know, and maybe even the infield dirt, just, you know, just be cognizant of that and be respectful of the players. You're not trying to, you know, get them hurt by any means, but you are trying to get them to not like what they're doing, and like I said, the bear crawl has that extremely low risk of injury, which I really, really like. Like like up downs for baseball, I'm not a big fan of, um, although they are kind of different than baseball movements. I don't, I don't like the up downs because of the quick drop down onto the arms. You got the shoulders and the elbows and the wrists and things like that involved. Now, while you may go five 
uh, months without anything happening during that or a year or two. I don't think it's worth the risk when you have the bear crawl option. The bear crawl is no joke. And so what I'm talking about with this as far as distance, I think the bear crawl is great for uh, players. A simple punishment might be for like younger players, 50 feet. You can use the base paths like 60 feet or, or 90 feet. You can use those as kind of a, 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 the proper distance for a certain, a, you know, if the team was getting lackadaisical in a, in a drill or if they, you know, maybe you put a little competition together and the consequence was a bear crawl something like 90 feet and back or 50 feet and back is is a good distance and you can feel it out don't get crazy and say hey, we're going to bear crawl around the whole field all right make sure you know see what you're not you're trying to make it difficult but you're not you're also not trying to take up your entire practice time with punishment and you're also trying to make it so the kids can can still physically get up and, and do some things baseball wise right so I love the bear crawl because it takes only about 30 to 60, you know, grueling seconds to complete. It's very efficient. And more importantly, it will never be mistaken for that baseball training drill. It looks, feels, sounds like a consequence. Now, if you're sitting there thinking to yourself, my team is going to be full of self-motivated players that like we talked about, like, you know, that'll never, you know, that'll never happen. I'll never need to give them a reminder such as a bear crawl to get them to hustle or focus. Well, I'd like to take a moment here to be the first to welcome you to the world of coaching. And you can get my drift on that one, all right? Because if you think your team's just going to be a bunch of, you know, perfectly coachable players through and through, you've obviously never spent uh, a minute or two coaching because you'll see that you'll need some consequences. And if you choose your players correctly and you choose your team well, those are going to be greatly reduced. But at the end of the day, you're going to need something. The Bear Crawl is a great uh, consequence kids hate it but it's safe kids hate it but it can be done quickly and it's efficient but it still really gets them you know it really gets them and it really gets them tired it, they really don't like it it's efficient it can be done anywhere pretty much just be careful and cognizant of where you're doing it as far as like some gravel and things like that or you know if it's an unsafe surface you know for some reason you got like broken glass and stuff you don't want to have the kids on that the hidden gift of discipline Kids want a disciplined environment, but most kids, almost all kids, definitely most kids will push back against discipline. This is just a natural, you know, this is just how we're, kids are wired. Kids thrive with discipline though, but do not, they don't like that process of becoming disciplined. Kids thrive with discipline, but they do not like the process of becoming disciplined. Adults love to be in shape. Adults would all probably love to be physically fit with a six-pack or an eight-pack and, you know, good-looking arms and nice shoulders and a good back and whatnot and strong legs. But adults don't like going to the gym. I stay in really good shape, and I don't look forward to, like, working out. I don't look forward to going out to the garage and kicking my butt for 30 minutes. Now, I do it, but even I, – I don't I don't really like it. I think people will be like, oh, you stay in pretty good shape for a guy who's 40. And – they think that I just inherently like it then. No, 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 no. I don't mind it. I don't hate it. I don't like it, though. I'd much rather sit on the couch and, you know, throw on some uh, baseball videos, uh, YouTube videos, or or watch a, you know, you know Kevin Hart special or, a, you know, Dave Chappelle special or something, you know? I mean, don't get me wrong. We, you know, I don't look forward to running out to the garage and working out. But at the same time, it's what I need. And kids, 
they thrive with discipline, but they're not going to like it. So don't get the two, you know, I think it's important to understand that you, you better expect them not to like the rules. You better expect them to, to not like it, but just know that you're doing them, you're giving them a hidden gift that that is just so important to their lives. Coaches that don't foster a disciplined environment are letting their players down. You're letting them down by not disciplining them. I'm not talking about yelling and being rude to them. I'm talking about discipline. They are failing to give, or as coaches that, that, that don't foster a disciplined environment, they're failing to give their players something, that discipline, that will help the rest of their lives and will help their life more than almost anything else you can instill and teach them. And yes, you heard that correctly. Discipline is so much more important than math and science and a, a technique that we teach them in sports or whatever. Discipline is so much more important than almost everything in our lives that it's it's really uh, doing our kids a huge disservice by not creating a disciplined environment. You're, you're going to get pushed back. Yeah, you're going to get kids hating it. Yeah, but you got to push forward through it and you got to believe, you got to know it's going to be the best thing for them. You got to thank yourself, you know, and even tell them, say, you're going to thank me later. You're going to thank me when you're 30. When you're 30 and your life is kicking butt, I tell my players that. When they're, you know, sitting there and they're, you know, mumbling under their breath, I say, you guys don't like this. I get it. You're not supposed to. I get it. I didn't when I was your age, but. You're all going to thank me. You're going to be sitting there when you're 30 and your life is awesome and you're kicking butt and you're getting things done and you're being a good person and you're doing the things that you don't want to do so you can have the life that you want to have. You're going to sit there and I hope you take the time to look back and go, man, I thank that coach. I thank you, coach. I, I, you're going to thank me when that time comes. All right. In summary, the easiest way to improve your team's discipline is to fill your team with players that make the rules obsolete. From there only implement crucial, necessary rules. And as we discussed, you can't always choose what players are on our team or on your team. And no player is perfect. So you must clarify your team's rules and related consequences early and often. Again, don't get long-winded with these, but be clear, be consistent, and be concise with your rules. And be transparent. Give them the why. And if you can't give your players a legitimate why then that rule needs to be tossed in the trash. Remember to apply each consequence equally and consistently for all players. Never take it personally when your players break the rules. Never take it personally when your players break the rules. Keep your ego buried at all times. Simply stay calm and apply the consequence. Stay calm and apply that consequence. Yelling is not discipline. Yelling is not disciplining. It's annoying at best. Lecturing and yelling will not produce consistent positive results. It does not give you consistent long-term leverage. Lastly, be the team's anchor. As a leader, you got to be the anchor. Stay calm and strong when the seas get rough. I want to personally thank you at this time for taking on the important role of being a positive leader for our youth. And being a positive leader and a positive influence includes discipline because discipline is positive. It's actually probably the greatest gift we can instill in our players. I know that's so different and so foreign to so many of us. 
not not the thought because I know everybody listening here understands what I'm saying, but it's not something we've really put a lot of thought behind. We've always looked at discipline, and we most people have looked at discipline, or we we kind of correlate it with negative and 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 a bad thing. But it isn't. It's actually probably the best gift, the the most important gift that you can give your players that you can instill and pass along to your players much more so than a great swing and a great forcing fastball and whatnot so i want to thank you guys for being coaches and when the when it gets tough and you don't want it you know put that consequence in you got to put it in stick with those bear crawls pick a quality team from the get-go playing time is you know a great leverage piece for coaches because players don't want to lose that. I think the bear crawls are great during practice. I love them because they're different than other, you know, baseball related activities and the kids hate them and they're quick. To make it easier for you, I've developed and added an easy to use discipline guide. It's completely done. It's ready made. It's ready to go for you. It can be found at 8020 baseball as part of the membership community. So go there, join us up, become a member. You're going to have access to that and so much other stuff, access to so many things that are just going to really, I mean, just get you going to just a lot of success as a coach. And for elite coaches, it's going to, you know, it's, or I should say experienced coaches, it's going to help take you to that elite level for you newer coaches. It's going to give you everything you need to just really, really shorten that learning curve up. So the discipline guide that I'm speaking of, it includes a complete list of each rule that you'll need. All right, every rule that you'll need uh, is there, it's outlined. It, it includes an appropriately tiered consequence for each rule. It includes a parent information document that should be given out at the preseason meeting. And it also includes a, a player parent um, a sign uh, signature form and kind of a contract form that's already done. You print it, it's ready to go, you take it to the meeting, and, and it's kind of a contract you can use with your players and your parents. And it, it's not super formal, but it definitely it's definitely a well-structured, and it, it kind of adds that extra element of, hey, this is something I'm committing to as a player, and the parents are on board with it, and they, you know, they read the rules, they read the consequences, so everybody's got the clear understanding of that. And so I've also included bonus tips that will ensure you have parent and player buy-in along the way with these rules and the, and the consequences that come with them. So an enjoyable team culture is too important to leave up to, you know, to chance, to leave up to guesswork. And this plan, it's ready to go, it's ready made, and it leads everybody down the path to more wins, more fun, and no guesswork. This has been Coach Both. Thank you so much for your time. And I'm telling you, this is something I'm so passionate about because I've seen it. And 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 if those of you that have been in leadership roles and those of you that are that are listening to this, you're seeing it, you're seeing the the major impact that that disciplining our players can have, the positive impact that it will have on their lives. And it is really truly the, the greatest gift, if not the if not one of the top few gifts we can give them. I think it's the greatest gift as coaches we can give them. And I love being able to use baseball as kind of that vehicle to get there because baseball is so enjoyable. That's all I got. Coach Bo here. You guys take care. 
This has been the 8020 Baseball Experience. This is a really good team, and so you have to earn everything you have against them and take opportunities when they present themselves. Take it to the field. 